Awesome. So, Justin, um, knowing a little bit about your history, I know you were diagnosed with Crohn's disease really young. Um, would you mind just telling us a little bit about that? So, how old were you and what was going on? Yeah, so I was, um, how old was I? I was about two years old when I was first diagnosed. And um, it was really hard because I didn't, I actually didn't know much about what was going on and I had trouble going to the toilet apparently. So um, that was quite difficult. Um, and then my real, my first real bout with understanding and feeling the disease was when I was about eight years old and I was going for a bike ride with my dad. And I absolutely love these bike rides. It's a, it was the one thing that I looked forward to after school. Um, just, you know, we would, we'd go out and it was lots of fun, you know, cause I hated, I didn't really like going to school to be honest, but I loved going for a, a bike ride. Uh, and, um, I just remember like my bum was so sore. Like I was just sitting on that. I was like, Oh, this is really painful. And, um, I just had to pull over and I said to my dad, like, I can't bike anymore. My bum's so sore. He goes, Oh no, what's wrong? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. So then uh, I looked in my underwear and there was blood in there. So rushed to the doctors and um, the doctors, he, um, you know, he did a few blood tests and things like that. And he looked at my bum and he, it, was, it was the worst, worst pain ever. You know, he like got his like glove on and put his finger on my bum. And it was like, and so I was in so much pain that, um, yeah, he, I had some perianal fistula. So that a fistula is just like a polyp of pus in, in, in your butt. And so, um, you know, it's regularly going to back and forth with the doctor. And, um, I remember one day just doubled over in pain in, his, in the doctor's office and dad and him were, were, were talking together. And, um, he literally said, uh, I was like, I just want this pain. I just said, I want this pain over, you know? And, um, they said, doctor said, you have Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune disease. It's incurable. Uh, and we can never, you can never fix it. And so it was such a painful thing to go through, um, knowing that I couldn't uh, like cure it or, or do anything about it, which was, um, yeah. And he goes, you'll have to take medications for the rest of your life. And I was like, uh, I don't want to do that. All I want to do is have fun, play, be a real cool kid. I wasn't actually cool in school, but I just wanted to go and have, have fun. But um, a lot of my childhood, I remember, um, involved me taking a lot of like toxic medications. Like I hated medications. Like the, these pills were the worst, absolute worst. Like, and they just got worse and worse and worse as I went old, got older. And I even was on like all the different meal replacements, like Sustagen and they had like Ensure and things like that, that tasted like crap, to be honest, you know? So um, I was doing that for quite a long time. And um, my childhood was very disturbed. So as in, I never knew what it was like to grow up as a, a normal child. I um, always was going to the, um, you know, I had to go to the bathroom every hour. Um, I had constant bleeding in my, in my um, pants. I didn't grow to the same height and I didn't mature as much as the other kids did. Because what happens with um, phones is when your gut is under so much pressure, uh, it diverts its way, its attention from growing as a human being and it mm. puts it towards just like saving your life. So like I didn't hit proper puberty probably till I was like 20. Like I didn't grow facial hair until I was like 19, you know? And, um, but yeah, a lot of my school years was involved 
Um, I spent like at least one month in hospital a year. So I flunked all my grades. Um, I didn't pay attention to anything in school because I hated going to school because I just was, had too much to deal with. Um, I got bullied a lot because I was so small and short. Uh, in Liverpool, um, you know, it's in Liverpool here in Sydney, it's, it was quite a rough area. So mm. I spent a lot of time just like trying to hang out with the nerds, but the nerds didn't even want me as their friend. So I was just this awkward kid who um, had super low self-esteem, went to the hospital all the time. But the one thing that really got me through a lot of my experience was um, my parents being very positive. And so they were part of this meditation um, organization which was pretty cool. Like, um, and they practice like power, power positivity and meditation and things like that. So that was really cool because my parents just gave me, didn't focus too much. They said, don't worry about school. Like just focus on getting through life and being happy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my childhood, I watched TV like no tomorrow. So I'd watch like SpongeBob SquarePants. I'd watch, um, a lot of cartoons, and to be honest, SpongeBob SquarePants really got me through high school. It really got me through um, through a lot of my hospital experience. Um, and yeah, so I'm really thankful for SpongeBob. Um, apparently, he recently came out, which uh, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, I didn't expect SpongeBob to be gay, but hey, look, you know, that's uh, that's that's uh, how life is. But um. Yeah, it's interesting, like going through Crohn's and going through a lot of, um, you know, having to manage a lot of the Crohn's through my mental mindset was very important because um, I was on so, under so much pain, yet I had the ability to be positive and happy a lot just because of the way I was conditioned from my parents and having that, um, having the like ability, well, I didn't know what concept of war or normal was i didn't know it was normal not to go to the toilet every hour i didn't know it was not normal to have medication every day i didn't know it was not normal to have jabbing pains i didn't know it was not normal to you know have these things so my baseline of like normal normality was like here and for most people that'd be like extreme pain and for me, it was like normal, you know, so they're probably thinking it's down here, but mine was up here. And so I just got numb and used to things. And so, um, yeah, it was really interesting because, uh, you know, apparently, um, you know, your gut is your second brain and all your dopamine, majority of your dopamine is created in the gut or it, the precursors to dopamine is created in the gut. So if the gut's under a lot of pressure, um, and anxiety and stress, you know, then it's hard for you to be happy, which is dopamine, you know, the, the happy hormone or the precursor to feeling happy. So it's just interesting that even though I was under so much stress, like, yeah, I, I maintained this happy attitude um, throughout it. But it was, it was a really hard, really hard childhood, like having no friends and, um, yeah, just like seeing myself as broken, you know. I think that's one of the most difficult things for someone at that age to sort of tolerate. About you mentioned there that obviously your version of normal was completely different to what other people could consider normal, and your expectations were, I guess, based on just having Crohn's. But what um, what was going on in school? Um, was it specifically Crohn's that was causing you problems, or what else was happening at the time? 
Yeah, so um, my doctors didn't know what it was. Um, so apparently it was Crohn's disease because I just had trouble pretty much going to the toilet. I was constipated. And then um, I ended up taking like Flagyl. So I was about eight years, eight years old. So Flagyl is a antibiotic which strips your gut bacteria. And um, ever since I took those tablets, like I just had watery diarrhea and just like pooing, like like I'd sit in the toilet and just try and poo things out, but barely anything came out. And um, I had a lot of perianal fistulas. So um, they're now look, linking um, studies. I don't know what study, but apparently some study. Okay, so I'm just going to paraphrase this, but... Um, yeah, so um, a lot of my gut bacteria was stripped out when I was eight years old. And it's very hard for when you're a, sm a younger child to re, you know, to have, have your, um, your gut bacteria regenerate because it's something that's, um, you know, like something that's, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, so if you take, anti pretty much long story short, if you're taking antibiotics when you're younger, um, it strips a lot of your gut lining out, your micro, you know, your flora and fauna, or your fauna and flora. I don't know which one it is, but yeah, your gut <laughs> bacteria. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's very hard for your, your intestines to regrow those certain things because you're younger. It's easier when you're an adult because, okay. um, yeah, but as a child, it's, um, it's dangerous because there's a risk of, so I think that's what happened. But yeah, a lot of my childhood was just medications, trouble going to the toilet, waking up every hour of the night. Um, so I never actually had one full night, long eight hour sleep. It was always broken. So I'd get up minimum like four or three times a night and maximum up to like, you know, every half an hour of the night. So um, that was the reality of, yeah, of my childhood, you know, growing up. How important were your parents during this phase? Like the support that they were able to give you and what advice would you give based on your experiences to people that are parents and potentially have a child going through this? Yeah. So I would say the most important thing for a child would to be to have a buddy, you know, like we, as a child, you would have, um, you, you know, you, sit, you put yourself in the child situation. They don't know anything as in they don't know much about the real world. They just want to have fun, play, go out, do their thing. And they've got all these adults telling them this thing, uh, you know, about their bodies. They don't understand. Right. And it's really important for them, you know, to manage the child's well-being through, you know, reinforcing positivity, making them feel happy, making them feel that everything's okay. Um, and the other thing is like, I would say, you know, find a buddy. I would highly recommend you find a buddy for your child who knows what it's like, uh, like an older mentor. Uh, well, in year six, we had these like, um, you know, in year six, you had like, uh, had to couple uh, and be friends with someone in, the, in kindergarten, you know? So someone like that, someone older, but not too older, but someone who's gone through, who's young, where the, the person, you know, that child can relate to. It's pretty much you need someone that, because I went to um, support groups and they were rubbish because it was just like a whole bunch of parents in this round circle and it was just the kids kind of like, they kept quiet and the parents talking to each other about 
the experiences and I just felt all alone and, and isolated, you know? So I just was like, Oh, I guess no one really understands. Parents won't understand because they're just older. Um, you know, really what, was, come, what yeah. was the reason and what do you think was, what was making you feel that much isolation then? Even within the support um, group? Yeah, because like, you know, I didn't feel like anyone my age had it. I didn't feel like anyone my age knew about it, you know? So, okay, yeah, it's these adults talking about it, but I need another child or I need someone else to understand it. It's like when I first had my colostomy bag, like when I was going around researching, you know, I was 12 years old and my dad took me to this, um, to, to this old man who had a colostomy bag um, he, he, he represented colostomy bags and Crohn's disease in my mind. He was old, he was fat. That was the stigma. And I couldn't relate to him. I'm like, that's an old person's disease. I don't want anything to do with that. And it was only when I was about 18 or 19, when I saw this uh, guy who did bodybuilding, mm-hmm. um, what's it? His name is Blake. Is it Blake? Blake Beckford. Beckford. Yeah, Beckford. Yeah. Yeah. Blake Beckford. Yeah. When I saw him, I'm like, holy moly, this is someone who's younger, ripped, you know, and I could actually relate to him and I could see myself having a bag like him. So I guess for someone younger, they need that relatability. They need the ability to go, I can see myself uh, in that person, you know? So that's, I would say that's the most, one of the most important parts um, is that relatability. So when did you actually end up getting an ostomy? Um, so it, we talked about it when I was 12 years old, you know, um, they, they said, you know, you're, we're, we're putting on heavy medication. It's not working. You'll have to either get your ileum cut out, you know, which is your joint of your small and large, or you'll need a bag. And I couldn't fathom having a bag. Uh, and I put it off as much as possible. And then I think it was about age of 14 or 16. I can't remember. Um, and they're like, okay, we're going to wheel you into the operating theater and we're going to either give you a bag or we're going to give you a, uh, we're going to cut that ileum and join it. And that was such a scary feeling because they're like, yeah, you have no option. Like it's, you know, your, your thing is your, your large intestine is so inflamed that you have no option, you know? So I remember yeah, wheeling me. At yeah. 14, 14 to 16 as well. That's such a huge sort of impact. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I still even, I still remember the hospital ward. I still remember the day. I still remember the time. I still remember all all of it actually. Um, Yeah. So I remember getting wheeled into the hospital, into the, um, into the, into the, into the theater. And they're like, we won't, we don't know. We're going to have to open you up, you know? So they made a big opening and they're like, we're going to have to see how bad the disease is. And we're going to make a judgment if you need a bag or if we're just going to cut and join, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was really hard at the age of 14. Um, and then I remember I just woke up from anesthesia and I was just, you know, woke up from the operating operation and I just felt my, my, my stomach. So I was just feeling it like that. And I could feel like this, um, it felt really numb and I could I could hear this like, um, like it's kind of like um, ruffling plastic, you know. I was like, oh, no, I've got a bag, you know. And then I was just like, then I just passed out, you know. And then uh, I came to later on, and then I, 
had a look down and there was this big like patch, you know, about that big. And I was like, oh, I don't have a bag. So they must have just cut and joined, you know, and I was it's just got this sigh, big sigh of relief. And then, um, you know, I, I had to get used to walking again. So I couldn't actually walk. I had to get used to walk, um, you know, um, being able to walk from the door, you know, get up. It was just the rehab was insane. It's really hard when they cut through your abdominal walls to just relearn to walk. Um, had an epidural and all of that stuff, you know, and uh, epidural actually did help quite a lot in the morphine um, because they were, but they were quite addictive. So I wouldn't recommend it for a 14 year old, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think they made epidurals much more smaller as well. Like, I mean, the morphine doses. So um, yeah, it's easier when you're, when you're that, that age. Um, anyway, I diverse. So di I digress, not diverse. Um, <laughs> so what happened was I, uh, at the age of, I, I just kept getting stressed and sick um, as I grew older, um, having going to high school, went from an all boys school to an all, you know, a boys and girls school. Uh, and I was about uh, 17 at the time. And it was uh, a big stressor because there were girls in school, you know, <laughs> not only exams, it was like, oh, look, these are, these like- Even more really pressure. Cool yeah even more pressure like we've never actually i've never talked to a girl properly and you know i was like oh like so my whole high school you know year 11 and 12 was about talking to trying to like find a girlfriend you know and not alone and i kind of just gave up and <laughs> on grades at that point um and i was super stressed because there was this one girl i had a big crush on and um and and the, anyway so i ended up building up the courage to talk to her and then I was like, hey, how are you doing? And then she's like, hey, good. And I freaked out and I just ran away. So um, ironically, this is in school, I ran away, but then I ran away from the class that we're supposed to be in together. And then it was just the most, <laughs> the most embarrassing thing ever. So anyway, but the stress of high school just made my intestines cramp up and just made me feel really, um, just made me feel really upset and, um, yeah. And then I just remember getting my HSC and I couldn't eat any food and I literally was surviving on, uh, energy drinks. So V and, um, yogurt, because every time I ate something solid, it would feel like a stabbing pain in my gut. And I was on so much medication at this point. Like I was only on medication that was called Imiran and I had it like I was having such a bad reaction to it. Like I would, I would have it in the morning. And I would just throw up. I'll just keep throwing up and bile and bile and bile. And uh, to the point where I got blind, like partially blind for a couple of days because I had the pressure of me throwing up, had bursted the blood vessels behind my um, eyes. And I remember my dad was holding up Cocoa Pops and it was only like a couple of meters away. And I just couldn't even, he's like, what does this say? I'm like, oh, I can't read it, you know? And so yeah, it was really hard with the medications and um, I was super skinny at that time. Like you could see my ribs and, you know, I was on pregnant the year before, so you could see me really puffy. And a year later, I was just so skin and bones that I was really hard to um, even, yeah, eat anything. So I just survived on these things. And this was about November, right? I survived just eating and I got through my exams, didn't even like pass it. I got like a, <laughs> I got a thanks for trying uh, um, 
exam score, you know. And um, yeah, I just got to, I went on a holiday to New Zealand and they sent me to my cousin's house. They're like, you need to relax, you need to figure some stuff out. And I just spent a lot of time there on my cousin's couch, just watching TV and playing video games and just passing life. And then I was just really, I like got super sick at that time. And I went to the hospital and I was about 17 and a half. I was about, uh, yeah, I was about 17 and a half. My birthday was in February. So it was just a couple of, just a month off my birthday, actually. Went in and um, they're like, what are you doing? You know, if you had not come in any earlier, you'd be dead. You know, I mean, if you came in later, you'd be dead. They said, if you like, wait another month. And they found out that where my joint of my large and small was that, the fish, like it had, the scar tissue had inflamed so much that no food could go through. And so, you know, surviving on these Red Bull, like pretty much on sugar and yogurt was the only thing I could do. I couldn't eat anything. Like my family would be like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you eat any food? Like, you know, we're, we're Indian and we like to eat a lot of food. And I just felt this immense pressure from um, family. And I, I just like, no one understood me, you know? And then, so that's when, um, that's when I had to have, uh, an, another operation and they went in and they same situation. They're like, we're going to either give you a bag or whatever. Uh, we're going to give you a bag or we're going to do the resection again. And then they did the resection again. And then, um, you know, that was all fine. Grew up, you know, <laughs> funny thing is I had to be on TPN. So TPN is a is like if you're extremely sick, I you know, I recommend it because uh, what they do is they put a, a long line in you. So they so it was in from here and it goes all the way into your main uh, one of your main I'm not gonna say artery or aorta or something. It goes into your main artery into your heart and they feed you with these big bags of liquid uh, and they have all your vitamins. And I remember um, they said, okay, you can't eat anything. You can only survive on this TPN bag. And the only thing you can eat is lollies. And you can't eat the lollies. It has to be once that'll dissolve in your mouth so you can only suck on them. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting, you know. So uh, it, now, fast forward, I'm still in the hospital, had the operation. Uh, it's my birthday. And I'm turning 18 and I can't even have a beer and I can't even eat any cake. And it's, you know, uh, that made me feel so like, so funny, so contradictory. Like, and then anyway, I ended up having a, a poppy seed cake on my birthday. <laughs> so, you know, like of all things, a poppy seed cake, like, you know, that's, like you know if you, they were to test me for drugs that it'd probably come up positive for something and um yeah it was just um it just made me feel sad you know like yeah, all my friends are out partying clubbing they've got their licenses you know they they're going out dancing and i'm just here in this hospital bed you know and yeah it's it was quite difficult but um i'll fast forward to when I had my first girlfriend, you know, and I was in absolute, I was absolutely in love with her. I was 20 um, at the time when I met her and, you know, just made her love poems and love of my life, you know, and uh, she was super supportive of, of everything. And what happened was um, 
she I'm just kind of seeing this common theme of you know falling in love and getting sick as a <laughs> as a common thing you know for for flare-ups but um yeah so she uh was an international student and she had to go back home and i wanted to marry her and i wanted to keep her home um keep her in in, in australia but she had to go back to you know back to her country and she ended up becoming a flight attendant uh, for Emirates. So that was quite hard on our relationship because it was doing the long distance thing. And um, it was really upsetting to see, you know, that, that distance. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Was she really and, understanding with you having your disease? Was she on board with it or is it something you had to hide? Like how difficult was that for you? Yeah, she was quite understanding of the disease. Um, what made it harder was I wasn't sure if she was like, like I thought she was in love with me. And I thought she was like, she thought that was everything. Um, but also there was a fact that she was an international student and she did need a visa, which kind of broke my heart, you know, um, that my family was so against me marrying her. They're like, okay, so I, I'm 21. I have, I've, um, I've got this massive, like uh, I'm doubled over in pain. Um, I've been broken up with over text message from my ex. Um, and she's like, uh, yeah, text message. Like, come on. And she, she was in Dubai and I hacked, like I knew her email password. So I logged in and I could see the emails between her and a lover. And she's like, I love you, babe. Can't wait to see you tonight. And oh, my little heart broke in that moment, you know, it was just, just so, um, so upsetting, you know, and just so, yeah, so, so hard. And, um, I felt, I just felt like I was, uh, I just felt it was me. I didn't feel like it was the disease, uh, maybe a little bit, but I just felt like a loser. Um, and I felt like it just reinforced, you know, in school that no girl ever wanted to go out with me. It just reinforced that. And it was just this really bad thing. I was like, oh man, am I going to die like, um, you know, virgin? Because, you, you know, you, to put things in perspective, I died. I, I died. Now I would have an operation every single um, year. And so I was like, and the medications got stronger and stronger. I'm like, at this rate, I don't see myself living past 30. I said, this is impossible for me to live past 30. Um, and I thought I'd, um, yeah, I actually thought I would die by 30. So, and I'm 20 at the, at this time. And I was like, I was like just living my life three months at a time. That's another thing that my um, dating coach said to me live your life like it's three months at a time and that really stuck with me because i was just super happy about everything i remember laying in the hospital bed and i was just really upset at everything i'm like i can't go out i can't do anything you know and i still remember i still remember the place like i still remember to the day you know and i was in this like I couldn't even sleep well because like the hospital lights were always on and people were coughing and I was in the ward with these older people and um, it's just disgusting. You know, it's just like, what is going on with my life? I don't even have the only thing of my own possession I have at the moment is you know, I had like a, like the old iPhone 3G. I had my shoes and I had undies and everything else was hospital. Like, you know, with the gown, I had to wear the gown and had all of that. And so I was just like, you know, I was just re-listening to Brent's takes and things like that. 
And I remember I was just like, I closed my eyes, didn't then I opened my eyes and I was like, you know what, I have an option. Brent's right, you know, this is an opportunity for me to take my life to the next level. Um, I can be upset and, you know, make a whole list of all the things that I have, I don't have. And I can keep going on. And I was like, but you know what? I might as well try an experiment. I'm going to see if I can be grateful for this moment. So I was, I, um, I really looked at things. I'm like, oh, I can be so grateful that dinner's coming soon, you know? So I created this delusional gratitude. I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful that um, now that I have like uh, my blood lady, she's coming to test my blood. Like, and I got to know her and my nurse is coming. Oh, I really like this nurse. And, you know, everything. I was just super like, you know, excited by everything. It was just so weird. Like, and I was like, oh my God, I've got like a TV and I can listen to it and I can just like, I can put my bed up, put my bed down. I can go get some like um, custard and like this whole thing changed my life, you know, and I had nothing. Like, it took everything away from me. Yet uh, I felt like I had everything I had, you know, you can't take my level of happiness away. And so anyways, I'm like, everything's awesome. Like I'm going to have a cloth in my bag. It's going to be the sexiest thing. And my life's going to rock. And people will be like, you are like so sexy. Like I want to get to know you because you have a bag and rah, rah, rah. So it was this thing. Anyway, I remember getting wheeled in for the operation and um, I was like, I was, I don't know, like I would must've been high or something. I wasn't on any medic pain medication or anything, but some lots of like, I was on the hair, pregnizone, lots of pregnizone. Pregnizone makes you feel like you're on a high. Pregnizone makes you feel like just super excited all the time. You know, like, it's like it makes you super emotional but it makes you super fat and whatnot but um i remember i got a pen and paper a texture and paper as they're wheeling me in and i was like oh wait give me a pen and paper i need to write something and i drew on the i drew on a um please handle with care and a big love heart and i put that on my belly right and uh so i'm being wheeled into the operating theater and um and uh, so everyone's around in their masks and then they, you know, they, they open the, the, the gown and they're like, and then all the doctors saw it and they're like, Oh, they started laughing. And you know, they were actually talking to me like a real patient. You know? And then the most, I love the, this, this is the most fun part of being in hospital is they give you the anesthesia. That's the best, you know, when they knock you out full general, full anesthesia, you know? So they get this like white liquid and they plug it into your, they plug it into that thing. That's you count back from 10. So I'm like, I always try and be, make it to one, which is probably not a good idea, right? And you know, you hear that beep, 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 and it's like really cold in there. And then, you know, they're like, okay, count backwards 10, 9, 8, so 7, 6, 5, 4. You know, and, I, and I'm just in the most deep, relaxing sleep. And so what actually happened was that doctor took that took a photo of me of that sign and he he's been using it in his hospital lectures for the last 10 years saying that um remember patients are real are real people you know and so anyway um i anyway so i like so i'm knocked out and then i remember i was like coming to and i barely remember any of this but i was in er and um 
I was in the, I was in the, I think it's AR or something like that. It's in the, in the emergency recovery ward. And I remember like, I just, I, you know, they, they say when you're, when, when you're under anesthesia, your, your true personality comes out. Like, there was just one girl in there. I remember now, but I didn't remember back then, but she was there and she's like, Hey, how you doing, Justin? You know, I'm like, I love you so much. You're an angel. You're the best thing in my life. You know, we need to stay friends. You need to come over. We're going to have a big taco party. Like, you know, it's going to be great. You bring your friends and rah, rah, rah. And I was like, she's like, you're just, you won't remember me. I'm like, yes, I will. I'll remember you. You know, just add me on Facebook. She goes, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, just add me on Facebook. Message me and we're going to have a party. And I don't didn't remember this at all, you know. So, <laughs> um, anyway, coming to waking up and I just touched my, my, my stomach. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, it's, it's, I've got it, you know. And I really, you know, only had a handful of friends who came and visited me. And, um, you know, one of them is one of my really good friends, Nav Neat. Um, another one is uh, Rose, Rose, she's Rosemary Speaks on Instagram. Um, you know, my cousin Ash had a few other people come and visit me. Um, but not that many. Seema, she came and visited me. And um, I, for the first couple of days, I was just so zonked out because they gave me an epidural and they had punctured, I had a lumbar puncture in my epidural. So like a lot of my spinal fluid came out and um, like my, the pain of the abdomen wasn't too bad because I was on like, I had the, the magical button, you know, the make me high button. Oh, the pump, uh, but the magic. Yeah, yeah, I had the magic, the magic pump. Um, the uh, the morphine, you know, but but the what happens is when you when they puncture your spinal fluid, um, it takes twenty one days or a month to heal up. But it was it's like this constant like woo woo woo. You just hear that all the time. Woo woo. At one point, I'm like I could hear like this like super loud. And I turn to people, I turn to like, I think my friend, I'm like, dude, is there a, is there like a, is there a, um, is there a, like a helicopter landing, like right above us? I'm like, it sounds so loud. He's dude, I can't hear anything. I'm like, man, it's freaking loud. It's like insane. It, it's in my head. And then, uh, then they told me about what happened, you know? And then I also heard like this, like this ants and like these ants are really loud. I'm like, what's going on? And it was just like... So it's only brain. inside your own head that you can hear this. It's literally just yeah. inside your own head. Yeah, it's, it was literally only in my head. And so this was real. This is actually more pain. This was helped me because it was more painful to have that than my ostomy, you know? So I just learned to like stand up, get walk around. And uh, I went, remember, walked into the bathroom mirror and they were showing me my bag. And for only a split, 30 seconds like I remember not even 30 seconds I looked in the mirror and I just started to like whoa what the hell happened to me you know and I could see my bag I could see my fresh stoma I could see like this green pussy poo in there and I was like holy moly and then I was like I went to empty I'm like oh this smells so bad and then I just like was like you know what? No, Justin, you have to make this the sexiest thing about you. This is your thing. Like it's hot. Don't worry. It is who you are. You are who you are now. Keep going. So, um, 
that was the only How time... hard was it for you to make that stance? How hard did that feel to do? Or was that easy given your experience with your dating coach and stuff? Or was that something you find exceptionally difficult? Uh, I needed the momentum. Like having that momentum and constantly reframing my thoughts, um, that made it so much easier, you know? So uh, it's, really, it's really true. Like the power of positivity and the power of constantly cleaning your thoughts and making them positive thoughts uh, makes a really big difference because if you don't do that, then, um, you know, terrible thoughts come in. So I'm really grateful for constantly doing that, but it would be so much harder if, you know, your normal person, you just have it, you know? Yeah. So then I, um, yeah, I left hospital a couple of days later, um, actually a week later. And they had to give me um, staples down, down the middle of my stomach to hold it together. And cause I was on so much, um, I was on so much like antibiotics and I was also on pregnazone. What happens is your skin doesn't heal that well. So I couldn't get a keyhole surgery. So I had the most ugliest long scar on my torso. Uh, it's not actually not ugly. It's pretty, it's really sexy, you know? Um, but traditionally people think it's ugly. Should I show it? Do you want, does anyone want to see it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's it there. That's it right there. And then, so that was my first operation. And then this must've been when I was two years old. And then that was the, the big one there. And that's my, my stone, but I'm trying to get a six pack right now, but it's not really. Not really hey, you working. do, you're doing well. You're doing exceptionally uh, well. Thanks. I shouldn't have the, had two croissants today. So it's not a good thing. <laughs> Feeling a bit pudgy today. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh yeah. So got, got home. And so these staples like were literally holding my, my stomach together. And they're like, you can't have sex and you can't drive and, and run around or do anything for six weeks. Being that, you know, the crazy 21 year old or the, tw I thought, actually, you know what? I was 20 when I had the operation. Yeah. I was actually 20. Yeah. So I actually had it for 11 years. Uh, it was like May. It was like May. I can't remember. It's probably, I think it was like last month sometime. Um, anyway, I digress again, but um, I got home and I was like, I really am excited and I want to just go and, you know, like I remember the, the freshness mom had like cleaned the whole house and I had my bed. And every time I come home from hospital, the thing I really look forward to is my fresh sheets and my fresh bed and just having a big sleep. And then mom would make me some like homemade chips and that was the best thing ever, you know? But, um, I remember I got my car keys and I had a sports car that I had bought in, you know, in, in order to like get a, it was like my, my first breakup crisis, my young life crisis, you know, mid midlife crisis, right? Uh, it was a sports car. It was a Toyota MR2. So it was a manual car and I just missed it so much. I'm like, no, I need to drive this. So the first day I got home, had the sleep, got up, got in the car and I drove it around the block and it was the worst thing I did, but I don't, re I don't really resent it, but it felt really good to drive my car again, you know? And I got back home. I'm like, oh, I'm in so much pain. Why did I do that? It was stupid. But um, 
yeah, it was, it was, it was all good. Anyway, whatever. My recommendation is not to do anything stupid like that. But if I had an operation, I would probably do that again. Um, you know, but yeah, the, I started getting hernias and started getting stuff as a result of it, but I won't get into that, but yeah. Um, and then what happened, I'll just keep, I'll just keep, I'll just keep talking about my story. Um, I started putting on weight, you know, and I started getting a bit more healthier and the stoma, you know, having a colostomy bag gave me my life back. Um, and you know, I was still on like, um, some, some heavy medications, but you know, I, I got a wind off those ones. Um, and my last medication I was on was like infliximab, which is that, um, one where they, you know, they inject to you, inject into you for, you know, every six weeks. But then I started building antibodies to it. So it was like, there's no point you taking this because a, you're in remote clinical remission. Your Crohn's is not active and you're, you know, you're, you're feeling much better. And there's no point you actually wasting this drug because it's your body's just fighting against it. So let's just monitor you for, so for the first time, um, you know, <laughs> for the first time I, um, yeah, I didn't have medication. It was great. But, um, I was, I watched magic Mike, you know, and magic Mike was really cool, you know, and everyone's like, you know, they've got the song, my pony, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'm like, this is the, I'm going to make Colossi bag sexy. Like everyone needs to know how sexy it is. That's not that bad to have, you know? And it was interesting because I, I, if it wasn't for that bodybuilder <clears throat> who inspired me to get my Colossi bag, I would never have got mine, you know, I would have just resented it. And I was like, man, if it can be ripped, you know, maybe I can be Australia's first colostomy bag stripper. And I was like, I remember I called up all the, all the stripping agencies and, uh, and I'm like, Hey, you know, this is Justin. Uh, can I be a stripper? And they're like, Oh, I'll send us a photo. And I sent them. Oh, wow. So I didn't actually realize this was like a full on in investigation into becoming an actual stripper as well. Yeah. I watched magic Mike and I was hell bent on being on stage. I think, I think there's nothing like, you know, your spirit when you're like in your young twenties and that eagerness to just like prove it to the world. Um, some do it in a business way. Some do it in gym way. Mine was like with just to prove my self-esteem and had a lot to do with like, even like all the dating stuff and all that, you know, I'm so grateful for going through all the dating stuff because it works so much on my psychology and um, change. And, and I just molded who I was, but I was calling up all the, you know, all the, all, all the people, like I was just like, you know, call Sydney Hotshots, not nah, Chippendales, not, nah, you know, bought wild, wild boys afloat and nah. that all laughed at me. They're like, Oh yeah, maybe just go to the gym for, for a couple of years, mate. And just uh, put on some size and then call us back. And I'm like, you know what? No, like I am not going to take no for an answer. This is happening. I'm going to be like magic Mike. Like I need to do it. So then I was like, okay, let me think. I was like, well, maybe I can just start doing pole dancing. Pole dancing is a way where you can meet girls and do all this stuff. And then I can like say to like the strippers, like, Hey, look, I know pole dancing. So anyway, I called up all the pole dancing agencies, you know, called up, you know, Susie Q. They're like, Nope, we don't want to see you. You know, it's girls only classes called up like Bobby's Nope, you know, called up these are all, I went through like 10 of them and only one of them 
um, responded like, yep, yeah, we've got an all guys class. We're just starting. You can come and do it. So I rock up and I was like, oh yeah, like it's pole dancing. It's me like, you know, strippers and you know, it's going to be cool. And I rocked up and I'm expecting like this, like scene out of like a stripper movie. Right. And it was just a bunch of gay guys in short shorts. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? What have you ever what? seen the uh, the movie Full Monty? It's a UK movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it. I have not seen it. I've not seen it. That's that's the kind of thing I'm imagining. It was basically a load of out of work um, factory workers, and they all uh, <laughs> they all rocked up, and like there was so, there were some serious shapes and sizes. But yeah, like it was yeah, it's a really heartwarming story. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. But no, it was it was bad. I rocked into that pole studio. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And I ended up buying short shorts so I can climb the bloody pole. And I was like, I, I'm still shaking my head today. The fact that I did it. <laughs> you had short um, shorts. I had short. I think I still have them somewhere. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so I got really good at pole. So I did. I I built my way up, and then I was like. I was like, okay, I've got to get out of this class because this, this class is shitting me, you know. Then I called up the best pole studio at the time, which was 2CQ. Um, and I was like, you know, I want to, I want to, um, <laughs> I want to like be a pole dancer with you guys. And I've studied at, uh, it was like Studio Verve. And uh, I want to audition, you know. They're like, okay, cool, come in. I remember uh, Bailey was there. So shout out to Bailey if she's, uh, if she's ever going to listen to this, hopefully. She was there and some other girls were there and um, they, they asked me to do much. They, you know, they're like, do your static feed, climb the pole, do a thing and do this. And I did it. And they're like, and they were just, they sat back and they're like, okay. I was like, oh my God, am I in? Am I like, can I, can I start? Like, can I do this? Can I, can I not dance with guys anymore? And they're like, yeah, cool. You're in. I'm like, yes you know so i finally made it and um so, I, so this is I, a fully fed strip club now you're in no no not a strip club this is a pole studio so we learn how to do pole dancing right but i thought it was going to be like heaps of hot strippers and things like that it was not it's not like that it's just pole fitness you know and um <laughs> and so i did i did I, I got really good at suzy q did all the classes got built myself up quite high um, and I kind of like outgrew all the classes because they're like, Justin, we can't really teach you anymore because I was doing the lap and strip. And I was like, I remember I said to Stacy, I was like, Stacy, you know, like, can we learn any like cooler moves? I'm, I'm like, I'm, get, I'm getting, I'm getting, um, I'm getting uh, tired of doing body rolls and, you know, like, you know, you know, and doing the hello boys. Like, and she goes, oh, you kind of need to now like consider taking professional dance. Um, dance classes now you know like oh okay cool so anyway so is that Dez, a polite way of saying you had no rhythm <laughs> maybe maybe yeah maybe it was but i remember i remember um there was one point where i had to um <laughs> I had to like uh, I, so they had this event which was called Shine Bright so Shine Bright was their student performance showcase and uh, I was like I'm gonna be Magic Mike on stage so I signed up I'm like Bailey put me down you know 
So she's like, okay, you know, you're a three minute routine. What song do you want? I'm like, I want my pony. I saw a magic mic, you know, I'm going to do this. And, um, it's just so funny because, you know, I'm like trying to think of the curry and what to do. And I'm just thinking of all this girly stuff. And I, and I, and I approached Bailey at the end of the class one. And like, one day I'm like, Bailey, I have no idea what I'm doing. She goes, well, I can't help you. I'm like, can you put me a routine together? She goes, no, I can't. Cause I'm a girl. I can put a girl routine together. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Come on. It's like three weeks out. She goes, I'm like, do you have any stripper friends that I can talk to? She goes, okay, there's three numbers. So she gave me um, dance. She gave me, um, she gave me dance. She gave me, uh, I think Lucas Wilde and she gave me Darren's, right? So I called all three. Uh, none of them answered. Um, you know, and one of them, oh, Damon's like, oh, I'm busy. I can't teach you. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then, um, Daz called me back and he, you know, he's Darren Daz, you know, he's like, yeah, uh, yeah, no worries, mate. You can come over and uh, I can put your routine together. Uh, just come to this address, you know, at uh, 8 p.m. and on the, on a Thursday night, I think it was a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, on a Wednesday night. Anyway, so I remember, I remember driving over and uh, I'm sure my heart's racing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to finally like learn how to dance like magic. I'm like, this is really cool. And I, um, I knock on this big door it's in this industrial area. I knock on this big door and it's dark. I'm like, am I going to get robbed? Am I going to get killed? I'm like, what's going on? And this, this giant figure emerges as he opens this door and this waft of incense comes in. I'm like, whoa, what is this? Like, I'm, I'm like a bit, uh, yeah, Darren is the man. And um, Tommy knows Dar Darren. Um, and I was, just, I was just like mesmerized. I'm like, oh, who is this guy, you know? And uh, he's like, He's like, come in, mate, have a seat, you know, and uh, I sat down with him and we started talking for a while and I told him my journey and he was just kind of like, he was just sitting back for a while. Maybe, I don't know, this is how I remember it. He'll probably tell me differently, probably remembers it differently. And um, so he's just sitting there and I'm like telling him about my story about Crohn's and how I want to dance. He goes, all right. He goes, go and, uh, you know, put the song on and I'll, and I'll put your routine together. So, you know, he put me the routine together and he goes, you know what? I've given up. Uh, I've stopped teaching guys, just letting you know. So I've stopped teaching guys how to dance, but uh, I'll teach you a routine. Okay. So Daz is like, he's just kind of like, yeah, I've, I've given up. I, I've stopped teaching guys, um, but I'll, I'll keep, te I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put this routine together for you. I'm like, all right, cool. So um, he showed me the routine. It was like my pony. Um, can you, by the way, can you hear me well? Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. So he put me, he, he, he put, he put, uh, he put me the routine together. So it's like, boom, 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 boom. And then, you know, he was like, and I had the routine, I had it going and I recorded it. And I remember I was just so obsessed with it. Like I would watch the, um, yeah, I would watch the video like, uh, on my way to work, so I was walking to work and I would just like, you know, like I'd pause the things and I'll just rewind and rewatch. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I need to do this move and this move and this move. So I got really into, I just like, I think it, I was born with two left feet. I couldn't dance for shit, you know, but I absolutely loved, um, I loved, um, dancing, you know, I, even though I, I couldn't do it, I just loved it. So anyway, so I practiced it really well and I, 
and I went and I bought, um, you know, I bought a hot glue gun and I bought some Velcro from Coles and or I bought it from somewhere and I started to make my stripper pants. So I bought uh, three different pants <laughs> from like the, um, from the op- yeah, yeah, from, <laughs> from, um, from the op shop, you know, so the op shop and, um, so I cut them and I put like hot glue gun and I remember on my floor and I was just like, you know, just putting little tabs on. Um, and I, and I made all three of them and then I took them to dad's. I'm like, dad's like a practice, you know, I'm ready. I've got the pants. It's all, it's all good. I'm ready to go, you know? And, um, yeah. And so he's like, all right. And so he looks at it and he just, <laughs> I could tell he was like, I can tell he'd laugh today. You know, I can, <laughs> um, yeah anyway um so it's really cool it was really funny uh, he, he looks at it i'm like man look at how cool my pants are like this is amazing i made these stripper pants it's the best thing and he's like i'm like you know what do you think of them and he's so polite he's like they're pretty cool man i'm like well you know because you, you probably got two uh two or three uses and i'm like what two or three uses i'm like whatever you know <laughs> Lo and behold, did I not know that he knew how to sew, he knew how to make pants, and he knew that I needed a whole entire Velcro <laughs> along the whole. <laughs> uh, and yes, I do have, um, yeah, I'd still have the pants somewhere. Um, anyway, so um, I show him the, I show him my routine. He goes, oh, pretty good, you know. And so then that weekend was the actual show and everyone's like you know it's at this uh pot it was at this strip club right this strip club called uh septon playhouse and they had this separate room sold out it was like hundreds of girls there bailey was emceeing and they were giving away prizes and awards and things like that you know oh, it could have been um, stage right there surely no i was excited i was like so i was like i was super excited like man my heart's beating i'm like oh my god i'm gonna go on show and he and then she uh she announces mine and you know she's like the next performer is he enjoys long walks on the beach on the beach and champagne at night the dirtiest thing that he's been caught done is having sex in his ex-girlfriend's mom's bed and i was just laughing and anyway i'm like my heart is now pounding and I am like so, um, so excited, adrenaline and the music comes on and I'm like, I just go, boom. Okay, let's do it. Half went blank and I just half went and I did it. As I'm walking on the stage, I just hear everyone whistling, screaming, woo, go Justin. And then I was just doing it, doing my thing, got my cane out, did my routine got 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 a girl up got her on the thing i took my jacket off you could see my stoma i could see my uh my my bag so i'd made a black bag for it a black and they're like everyone's screaming like whoa no one hates it you know and i just like flung it flung it to the audience uh, no flung my jacket to the audience and then like did did the lap dance on her and then got my cane and then sat on her got got her hand put it down my stomach and then put it back up and then, you know, it's just, I remember the whole thing, like, no, tomorrow, it's just, uh, it's great. And then, um, then, you know, put the girl down and then it was like the final part where I went to take my pants off. So I went to rip them off 
And then they, you know, they came off, they went flying, everyone's screaming, you can see my bag, everyone's taking photos. No one was like, ew, boo. It was just like this, everyone was celebrating. It was like, I'm in a room full of really hot girls who were like, you know, hot stripper looking girls and everyone's screaming. And I was like, whoa, in that moment, my, um, my belief had cracked. Like I had got the real belief that, you know, it is sexy to have a bag and women aren't that shallow. And I still have the video so I can, uh, I might put it up one day. Uh, Yvonne, Yvonne's seen it. I think, I think our little, uh, our Crohn's uh, colostomy, ostomy community seen it too. So I should post it live. Um, yeah, but um, it's just, yeah. So, so it cracked open. I was like, whoa, holy shit, this is different. And um, yeah, that was, um, it was like a real big turning point because it really was the sexiest thing about me. And Brent Smith was right. He was like, you know, your, 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 um, no, I did not throw my bag into the audience. Yeah, I should post the video. <laughs> um, imagine that. That would be funny. But um, yeah, so it was, it was really cool. And then I was like, wow, women actually aren't that insecure. And um, it really destroyed my belief around it being unsexy. And then, um, I went to Daz and I was like, Daz, you got to teach me more, you know, like, you know, check out this video. And he was like, oh, it's pretty good. Went back to him and I was like, man, teach me more. He goes, oh, I've kind of given up. Anyway, so I was like, no, teach me, teach me, teach me. So then he taught me. And then what I discovered later was that he give, he had given up because uh, Sydney Hotshots had, um, you know, he'd, he'd just been like overtraining guys, you know. So he started training me and then we started like, I started getting really good. Then we opened, you know, we started opening this thing called like Mr. Stripper. And then I was like co-teaching as well. And that was really fun. And I'd go with him to his jobs and then hanging out with Daz, I just realized something that um, he had this different energy and different vibe to him. And he actually got me kickstarted on my health and wellness um, uh, path because I looked at him and he, we looked at like the same age. Like I was like mid, you know, late mid twenties. And he would look like he's maybe just, just early, early, early thirties. And he's actually much older than that. And he taught me about healing, energetic healing. He taught me about diet. He taught me about relaxation. He taught me about a lot of these things. And um, yeah. And then, and then it really transformed me because that really, helped me start healing my Crohn's like on a deeper level. Yes. I had, you know, my, my Crohn's wasn't as active, but I was very inflamed. I was very sick, very tired, getting sick all the time. And, you know, he taught me about a lot of things. So I'm so grateful and everything I know is, is thanks to him and who I am today is thanks to him. So me and Daz became uh, best mates. So we're still, uh, we're still best mates and, um, yeah, we're, we're constantly talking and um, we're constantly throwing ideas to each other and me and him could talk for hours. I mean, like one day we talked for 12 hours straight. Like I used to go with him to his jobs and um, just laugh and yeah, just um, he's an incredible human being. And this is the guy that taught you to dance? Yes, he taught me to dance. Yeah, yeah. It's a little it's, bit and- like a dirty dancing story, isn't it? Yeah, well, he's he's he he is the godfather of the stripping industry. Like he's the best stripper in Australia. So, 
um, yeah, my my fruition of like I want to be the best dancer came. I think it didn't come true, but a lot of guys said, "Oh, you know, you're really good," and blah blah blah. And I actually found more fun going with him to his jobs than actually doing the shows. Like I remember I went and did a few shows like out, you know, out at like you know Newcastle Way and on on you know part of group routines. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, just." it's more fun. Like, you know, you go with him to his jobs. We're going to chat on the way. We're going to laugh about things, go there, set up the music. Then like he'll do a show and then he'll look at me and I'll look at him. Like when there's something funny or something, you know, something bad that's going to go down. And it's just, just built this deep, um, you know, this, like this mateship, like I, I kind of get, know he's back and nobody's already thinking, but um, yeah. So that, that, that then we started talking about spirituality and healing and that's when i started really getting into like my mind and figuring out about trauma and um you know thinking about you know just really being in alignment like a tree you know so we had we always had like all these big discussions about health wellness and the thing one of the great analogies i see of you know i created i came up with the other day is like we're like you know, Crohn's is like, you know, your life with Crohn's is like a tree, right? You're the tree and your symptoms are the leaves and your leaves start wilting and your leaves start falling off and, and dying. And you're, they don't, it, it doesn't die for no reason. It's because of who you are. Like you got to look at the trunk of yourself and go, am I the most alive or am I wilting? You know, am I in the best environment or am I in the worst environment? And things really get heightened when you're really um, sick and when you don't have that ability to handle stress, you know, so we talk about stress being a really difficult thing. Um, and I really learned how to like with the dating stuff to reframe stress, reframe all the things into being the positive opposite. Um, yeah. So then I started like going into doing like child, you know, I started doing things like child uh, regression therapy um, dealing with my insecurities, journaling a lot, figuring out my beliefs and, you know, going into, so I went from like, everyone went into biohacking and biohacking my sleep and my food and all of this stuff. And now I'm like, you know, the man I am today. Uh, it's amazing because I've come up with all these tools and resources to now treat the roots. So the roots are like the, the deeper stuff that we don't want to deal with the emotions, the memories, the, stressful things that trigger us the events that trigger us and really i'm you know i'm still shaping and creating my life where it's like recharging and really happy to be alive and you know things like that so yeah yeah that's incredible it's an incredible story i think i really like just the epiphany of basically getting naked on stage in front of a, a room full of attractive girls broke the stigma for you was was unbelievable yeah absolutely and then i was like you know my doctors have been asking me for the last couple of years do you want to reverse and um you know reconnect and i i, I honestly i feel like i my mission of having uh my bag is not over like i really want to um i really want to give back thanks Cillian. i want to really want to give back to my fellow human beings and transform the stigma for them and i really want to make people feel sexy for having a bag okay sexiness could be you know some people say sex, sex, sexiness sexiness 
can be, you know, is, is it how you look, but it's also your state of mind. And the thing that I learned in life is whatever you think in your mind is true out there. And it's like the world will just reflect as a mirror what you think. And, you know, it's important to design and create your reality. Like, um, you know, I used to think, oh, being Indian is not sexy. And I just kept meeting people, women who thought Indians were, you know, ugly. And then I just reframed it. Like, women love Indians. They love curry. They love, like, all this stuff. Like, we're hot. We're, like, hot chocolate. We're exotic. And they just want to lick ice cream up us. And they just love the contrast. And then I just started meeting women who were like that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy, you know. And so just that ability to, um, yeah, reframe things. But, yeah, so back to what I was saying is my so sexiness is, like, you have to have the state of mind of it is sexy. And, um, you know, I've gone for walks on the beach with my shirt off, had my bag hanging out. People that people might look for 30 seconds or a minute and they go up or whatever. Um, and I'm like, wow, I was really afraid of, like, what someone would think for 20 like. 10 seconds, they look at me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and they're gone. Like, I was really afraid of that moment. Um, and it's like, it's just, it's this thing that I actually learned when I was going through my dating thing, because I got used to going and talking to girls and just saying these lines, because I didn't know what to say, right? I was just really young and I, you know, had to rely on a lot words, uh, lines, but I got used to feeling the adrenaline and going, no, it's okay. It's okay. The fear and getting, so same thing. It really helped me with my, you know, walking down. People would look, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't care. But then a lot of people were drawn really close to me. And I only had two people in my life. Like met hundreds of people and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and thousands of people see my bag. And I only had two negative reactions from it. Um, and it was just like two girls I knew. And I told them off. I'm like, look, I'm your friend. And if you, if you don't love me the way I am, I don't think we should be friends because this is the way I am. And, you know, if, you, if you're more shallow than that, it's fine. But let's not, I don't care. I don't want to be your friend then. And then they really apologize after that. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Justin. You know, I didn't mean it like that. And rah, rah, rah. So um, back to the thing. My mission is to reach one million people to make them see that awesome is a sexy. It's sexy to have a bag. And I've been trying to compete for the last four years, bodybuilding but it just kept getting like, it's just, I tried doing it as a vegan. I kept injuring myself or I'd just like be too stressed at work. You know, I'd have too much pressure on to actually do that. But my mission is 1 million people affected seeing it going like it's sexy. Um, you know, I can have a girlfriend, I can have a normal life. People are not going to judge me. Um, and that's what I really want to do because it's not, you know, yeah, I could have my reversal. Who cares? Like, I actually feel so okay. This is going to sound really weird, but I feel sorry for people who don't have a bag because, like, you got to sit on these disgusting public toilet seats. You got to like, you know, you got to do like, you got to, you might have like diarrhea. You got to think about like bum rash. You got why would you, you know, you got to, you got to use toilet paper. You might run out of toilet paper. You got to think about like, you know, const being constipated, the pain of constipation. You got to think about like, you know, if you're on a long road trip and you need to use a bathroom, you can't just empty your bag anyway. You need to find a, a, a you know, place to stop. You know, if you're in the line and you need to use it, you can't go into the disabled toilets to use the toilet uh, unless you do have like the can't wait card. But um, 
yeah that's you know i i I really think having a bag is awesome because you can like do a poo real quick like you know if someone wants to play a fighting war you'll always win because you're like i'll open my bag motherfucking all like shit on this on the table you know (laughs) you know um Uh, yeah yeah yeah, you're always going to get top trump on that yeah 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 exactly um no one can blame me for a fart uh, my butt's clean all the time uh, I don't have to worry about toilet paper I can skip a line in the club and say look I need to go to medical appliance and go don't do this by the way don't use it to get in the club but I used to do this and they're gonna let me in the club so skip the lines um, it's just it's awesome you know like you know when girls see it they're like you know if I'm getting intimate with a girl and they're like oh it's like hey are you alright you know every time like every girl I've been with has always said, are you okay? Does it hurt? Should I be careful? No one I've been intimate with has been giving me a negative reaction. Like even like girls I've had like one night stands with, they're like, they're like, Oh, like, you know, is it okay? Are you fine? Like, and I'm like, no, no, it's fine. So I'll just like beat, I'll just hit it with my, you know, hit it with my, my, um, my hand. And, um, it's fine. Like even in, in, in winter, it's the best because it's like a hot water bottle because when it fills up, like, you know, you put your hand on your bag and it's like warm, so it's like a hand warmer, you know? Um, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's the best. So I, I really don't know what people think the issue is with having a bag. I honestly don't because the reality, the actual reality, so I'm not saying the made up thing, the reality is people don't care and people are so... Um, they're so kind and they're so considerate and they're so caring that if someone is a dick about it or a bitch, then fuck them. Who cares? Like you don't want to have those people in your life anyway. Next. Um, and not from a, yeah, it's just, you don't need those people in your life, but those people are few and far between. And it really depends on um, how you perceive life. Because if you have a, a negative view on life, you'll just keep attracting negative dickheads. And you'll just keep, you know, they'll keep being there and, you know, you can tell them, hey, look at my hand warmer, motherfucker. Like, you know, whatever, but, you know, um, but you just don't want, you don't want those negative people in your life because they just bring you down and you want kind, caring people, like like a beautiful garden, you know? So, and the beautiful thing is we have Instagram, we have a lot of connectivity tools, like, uh, like during COVID, I wanted to create, we created this amazing group where, you know, Johnny, you know, you and I are connected through this group that we created where we do Zoom calls and we're actually talking live to these Instagram, you know, even Crohn's Mommy, you know, like Crohn's Mommy and Ostomy Jack, like half, like everyone on this call almost is part of the group, you know, Adam, um, uh, Sam as well, you know, yeah, big, big shout out to Sam. Like, like we have this collaboration. It's really cool to like really connect on, on a human to human level, not on just a, social media like see your post um it's really cool to yeah just have that connection so yes yeah yeah i think Uh, it's one of the the best things to come out for me this year is just expanding our community and interacting with so many more people and getting the opportunity to do things like this and help raise that awareness reduce that stigma make people realize that if you do have to have surgery with ibd it's going to be okay um, I've got a couple of questions. Uh, <laughs> I'm mindful. It's getting quite late in uh, in Sydney's studio right now. Uh, oh, good. But, 
what was the hardest thing in your opinion or or is the hardest thing in your opinion about getting or having your ostomy um the okay the hardest thing would be just the for me it was just those okay for me it was actually getting my catheter removed that was the <laughs> that was the hardest thing like i hated getting my cat that like yeah i don't like that so that's the hardest thing about my ostomy um and then like manually having to remove the staples myself that was hard recovery you know what you know you're gonna have to recover from it but uh, apart from that you know like i can't see anything being hard about having an ostomy honest like honest like honestly like i don't i don't see anything hard about it i mean yeah like if i shit myself it's fine i'm just get a new shirt clean it up have a laugh um <laughs> yeah i think that just shows how much like mental growth you've you've been through and like how having that attitude and the approach to how your life is leading now is so beneficial and helping you have that full life that you can have with an ostomy or with a jet mm. voucher or anything that you're going through from a chronic disease perspective um, so what, again, from you, what's been the most positive thing or the best thing that's happened related to having your ostomy? It's been really, um, it's been the ability to reframe things. And that, that, that moment when I was in hospital, I was saying about earlier, is, um, um, is uh, yeah, it's just that moment where you go, you know what? I'm going to redefine and recreate my mind. I'm going to recreate my thoughts. And that was the, that was the most, that was a, that was the, that was the most positive thing that's come out of it for me. You know, um, was that the question? I mean, like I, I, I see it sexy too. You know, it's like, it's a cool conversation starter. Like if I'm on a dating app or whatever, or, you know, if I met a girl and I, and I'm worried about, this is a cool tip by the way, pro hack, a pro hack if you meet a girl and she's um, you're, you're afraid of cracking to her that you've um, got a bag, what you do is you say, Oh, follow me on Instagram, by the way, I'll message you there. And then they get to see your whole profile and they go, Whoa, look at all the followers. You're so inspiring. You're so amazing. Like every time, even on the dating apps, when I give people my Instagram, um, they're so lovely. The women like, Oh, like that's so great. Like you're so inspiring. You're so moving. You're so touching like that. You're so good. And I'm like, this, this is my wingman. Thank, thank you, Ostomy. I really appreciate it. You're the best. Good wingman. <laughs> was that the question? I don't know. What, the, what was the question? Mate, the, the question was, what has been the best thing about having an Ostomy? And I think you've answered it perfectly. Um, oh, yeah. Allowing you to have and, that ability to reframe how you look at things. Again, it's such an important thing. But yeah, that, that's, that was the question. I think you've answered it the best I've ever heard. Oh, heaps. Oh, no, heaps, heaps of things. So, you know, like it's everything, like, you know, dating, um, you know, eating. I can beat anyone in an eating competition because I don't have a butthole to stop me. So I will keep eating. So anyone who wants an eating competition, I'll beat you. <laughs> yeah. And meeting you guys. Like that's, I know now that I have such an amazing community of friends of in the, in Europe that if I, and in America, and if I never, when I come to um, Europe, when this stuff is over, I, I know I've got a place to hang out. I've got friends to stay with. I mean, you guys are like my family now. So um, 
yeah, like it's really, it's really touching, you know, I can't wait to meet you guys and hang out and have a beer and have some laughs and go do some fun stuff, you know? So it's really exciting that, yeah, like that we get to, I've, I've made friends because of my bag overseas. Like how insane is that? I went from, you know, being a child who was in a support group, you know, back when there was no internet and being so lonely to now having so many friends across the globe that I'm so connected to and they understand me on a much more deeper level than any of my family would ever understand any of my cousins and they wouldn't even want to get to know that part of me, you know, and you guys all like, you know, are so like touched and touched, moved and inspired to meet and care about me. It's like, I feel I don't I feel like we're we're we've been mates for years. I feel like we're just on video chat because we haven't seen each other in a while, like face to face, you know. And yeah, love you too, Crows Mummy. <laughs> love you too, Yum Yvonne. No, it's brilliant, mate. Um, and yeah. you know, it's heartfelt. I think everyone who's watching in and everyone who's part of our Austin Mates groups feels exactly the same way about yourself and everybody else in the group. It's been amazing just seeing how much people have positivity in their lives uh, despite the adversity that others might consider. Um, I've got to wrap it up a little bit now because um, I can mm-hmm. hear people moving around in the house and getting a little bit agitated. So I'm going <laughs> to wrap it up with the uh, thing that you usually do where Rob Lewis house and ask you, Instagram's gone. All your social media stuff has disappeared. Yeah. What, three life lessons would you like the world to learn from your life so what three life lessons would you like to be learned from you yeah okay so number one who you are is not who you are going to be so you can mold yourself into who you are literally you can mold yourself physically almost physically like but mentally you can mold yourself so if you are depressed or if you're going through I don't even call it depression. I just call it a series of thoughts that are negative linked together. You can, um, you can, you can change who you are. Cause I changed who I am and I evolved who I am into like a beautiful butterfly. So look at yourself like a cocoon, you know, and you're just now recreating who you are. So I'm, or look at yourself like a computer. You know, when you get your computer, you got your Mac. It's so already got a pre-installed things on there, pre-installed things that you don't like, you know, all the things that slow it down. You got to remove those old programs, you know, uninstall the negative beliefs and now install the new ones that makes you, make you feel better, make you feel happier, you know? So that's number one. Uh, number two, I would say is whatever happens in your mind is reflected out there. So if you start filtering out and you say the world is evil, then you will start getting that same, you know, that's always, you know, the, the, it's a reflection of, 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 of your internal state. And the third thing is I would always recommend to look at the silver lining of every situation because there will always be a silver lining. There will always be um, a positive opposite to everything, everything, even like, you know, as I was abused when I was younger and there was positive things out of it because it made me go, hang on a second. Um, I, 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 I challenged myself and, I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to like do something about this. I'm going to make myself into a better person. I'm going to re I'm going to now like figure out how I can heal that traumatic thing about me, you know, or like when all the kids bullied me, you know, at the moment I hated it uh, at that moment, 
really hated being bullied by everyone in school. And then the best thing about it was that it, it got me to go, you know what? I left school. I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to be so cool that everyone wants to be my friend. And now I've got too many friends to the point where like, I find it's too hard to keep up with people and people go to me, Justin, you're too, you're like, how do you know everything? You know, you're so creative, you're so inspiring and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, I don't know. I just, I created who I am. So I, I had to manually create myself and I was like a robot. And then it just, it integrated into me. And that was the most best part because I stopped going out trying to inspire people. And I was like, cause I secretly, so the fourth thing is I would say, right. The fourth thing I would say is stop trying to look for a leader in other people. Like I wanted my friends and my dad to be the dad or the friends that I always wanted. And I always shoved things down their throat. Personal development. You need to lead this. You need to learn that. And secretly what it was is my inner child wanted a leader and I had to be that leader for myself. So you have to be that, figure out how you can be your own leader. You know, that's the fourth thing I would say. I mean, as always, they are beautiful and really powerful. It's like redefining yourself. The world in which you live is a reflection of yourself and being your own leader. I think they're, they're really good totems to sort of live your life by. I'd just like to take a second uh, before we wrap up to just appreciate yourself and like, thank you so much for coming on to agreeing to do a live stream, the hiccups that that entails as well and coming on so late okay. in Australia. But also okay. just thank you for bringing the sexy back to ostomies and IBD and also just being the inspiration that you are to our community and just always having that human touch, being just being kind. It's been such a pleasure knowing you today and having you on the show has been awesome. So thank you so much. Aww. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate what you're doing. And yeah, I love what you're, what you're, I love Crohn's cast. I love what you're creating and yeah, you're, you're a really hard worker, brother. And I really appreciate all the work you do within that community. It's like, it doesn't go unnoticed. You know, you do a lot of stuff um, in the background and, and you, and you, you are, quite busy with your family and work and your love for us is like insane. So thank you so much. And thanks for having me on.